a couple of months ago, I think it was a couple of months ago, maybe just a month and a half ago, went down to London House. London House is a, an amazing restaurant with an amazing chef called Ben. Uh, and we went down there in West Byfleet for a charity event. Uh, there are certain people that I meet on my travels, and I think, well, I'd love to get them in the studio. And the lady that was organising the event is a lady called Michelle Martin. Michelle has joined me in the studio today. Hello, Michelle. Hello. Oh, I better put your microphone up. Hello. Say hello again, Michelle. Hello. <laughs> That's even better. <laughs> take two. Yes, take two indeed. Take to indeed thank you for coming in today uh, so we met how long ago was the london house thing now it was um it was the second weekend in october second weekend in october and you're involved with that and you've done that for the last couple of years tell us how all that came about what's the event about so this is the the third time that we've run this event with the amazing team at london house and it's a charity fundraiser to gain raise funds for Macmillan Cancer Support, um, which is a charity that's very, very close to my heart. So it's a, it's a formula that's kind of evolved over the last three years. Um, very good food is at the heart of it. Uh, good company and some good entertainment. So it, uh, we ran a five-course tasting menu, and we've done that over the last, uh, the last three years. And we just invite regulars from the restaurant and members of the local community and there's around 60 65 participants for the evening uh we throw in some music um we throw in some table magic which was with dan hudson now, that say, let's talk about him he's great he was really good <laughs> he's amazing so yes. how did you find him so dan is a really interesting character he is not only is he a member of the magic circle um and does um phenomenal adult magic shows um but he also has an alter ego called fred in the shed um (laughs) where he's a children's entertainer and he actually first crossed my path um many moons ago uh, at my goddaughter's birthday party and later on in life, I, uh, I then came across him um, uh, as part of some corporate events where he was doing some fantastic close-up table magic. And having spent a little bit of time talking with him, uh, he, um, he was very happy to support the work that we were doing with Macmillan. And he's been a regular feature of that dinner for the last three years and what he does just continues to blow my mind <laughs> in terms of the tricks <laughs> that oh, he's great. he does no really smart stuff really clever yeah. stuff and he's very helpful with the auction as well yes uh, now tell us about how you get get to know ben how did you get to know ben the chef and the restaurant so london house is currently situated just opposite west byfleet station um but a number of years back it was actually in old woking in fact, it was about 20 steps from my house. Ah, there's a clue there, then. <laughs> there is a clue there. And, um, and, and those that know me well know that I'm not much of a master in the kitchen. So, so the confessions fre- are coming out yes, now. Yes, <laughs> so frequenting London House um, was a, a little bit of a, a regular event for me. And that's how I got to know Ben and Lornette and the team at London House. And then they, you know, things have, have kind of gone from um, from good to great for them, and they they wanted to find some new premises, and so they ended up moving up to uh, up to West Byfleet. So it's a you know it's a fantastic location for them, but I was particularly gutted that now it's a taxi ride for me, not just twenty steps. So it's a little hard 
Egypt, yes. but not too bad for you, but not too bad for you. <laughs> and great you. for them. Uh, and great for me, because when I got there, I didn't realise that I'd know many people there. And we had uh, Paul from Bourne Ga- Valley Garden send hello to Paul, who's a regular sponsor of our travel, as you see, and um, a guy called Ollie and his wife, Gita, from Hair Mechanics. So it was great to yes. see them there, which was lovely. Now, what we haven't said, there were 65 people there. Yeah. And you raised an amazing amount of money between 65 people. How much did you raise on the night? So on the night, we raised seven and a half thousand pounds. That is amazing. Yeah, um, of which uh, probably another two and a half thousand pounds will go. On top of that, um, I work for a company called VMware um, in my day job, and they do uh, charity match funding. So that's um, that's an opportunity to get some additional funding for Macmillan, where we do private um, uh, or personal fundraising activities that the company matches that. So all in all, it ended up being a £10,000 fundraiser, which, um, yeah, was just phenomenal. The generosity of the people in that room that evening, well, you, you saw my reaction. <laughs> it's not often I'm that speechless, but I was... I was um, a little loss for words at points and that, the that's evening. the best year you've had there in, yes it's it's, it's kind of grown uh last year we last year we raised i think with the match funding it was around seven thousand pounds and the year before that it was probably a, a thousand or two below that so it's it's just it's just kind of grown um you know mainly as a result of people's unbelievable generosity um to supporting Macmillan. well so. it's, and they are such a, a great cause to raise yes, money for which is great are. you are a local lass I am. Old Woking. Old Woking. And how long have you lived there for then? About nine years. Nine years. And you live near our guest of a few weeks ago, John Glover. I do. We're literally across the river from each other, so we're kind of we're kind of neighbours with a with a small tributary off the the river way um, dividing us. <laughs> you can wave at we least. We do. We do. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's cute. And John was brilliant a few weeks ago, and I wouldn't have met John if I hadn't gone to to your event. So uh, I'm so pleased that he came along. So it was great. So you're a local lass. Uh, you've lived uh, there for how long? Did you say? Around Sorry, nine years. Nine years. Yeah. So quite some time. And you work in town, or do you work in? So my my main job, I'm a bit schizophrenic on the work front. I have okay. many dimensions, but my 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 main mortgage paying job uh, is based out of Staines. I have a a, a pan um, Northern Emir role where I I have the luxury of leading a team of uh, fantastic marketing professionals uh, who basically position the proposition that we have. Um, uh, sorry, it's all right. <laughs> don't know where that kind of where that went yeah so i have i I lead a team of marketeers for a company called vmware yeah and um they're uh, they're distributed across the uk ireland uh the benelux countries and the the nordic regions and you i think you were saying to me that you've taken you send that they as a a company match your charitable contributions which is great so yes you've obviously got on got that done with them which is great so all credit to them because it's a really good thing for them to do And I think you also do a bit of um, exercise classes. I do. I'm also a qualified Pilates instructor. So, I How do you find the time to do all of this? <laughs> I'm not sure, actually. When I think about it, it just seems to work. I think there's various points of, of interconnection. So I've been teaching Pilates for around 15 years now, and, and I absolutely love it. It's a fantastic exercise regime. If you've never tried it, then definitely give it a go. I'm going to. I have promised myself Pilates, so the moment I can get out of my job and get some free time, I'll be coming to see you because yeah. I do need to get involved with Pilates. It's good it, for the back, isn't it? It's, it's very good. Very good for building core strength, yep. um, improving your posture, trying to minimise the risk of injury. Um, you know, that in itself is not a, not, um, a unique exercise regime. It's, it's a really good complement for other things that you might be doing, whether you're a runner, a gym bunny, um, or whatever. 
but yes so i, I teach a bit of bit of pilates and, and I, how long did it take to train for to become a pilates teacher so i trained with an organization called uh body control pilates um, right. they're based out of london and the process probably end to end it was it was very comprehensive um and it took around 12 months so there's the the standard kind of studying um anatomy physiology then these there's the exercise knowledge practical workshops and and what they did which was particularly useful for me in terms of the way that i learn is that they make you do uh, around 50 hours of supervised teaching before you can be you can be let let free on the general public so that process took around 12 months um from end to end and, and where do you conduct the classes now where do they take place so now because my time is a little bit limited um with my you know my day job volunteering for macmillan doing pilates and actually my most important job which is a mum um i actually teach at my place of work so um uh two two days a week um i give up an, an hour that's cool. that's great. Uh, to teach um teach a class of employees and yeah so we, we kind of weave it into the working day um either at eight o'clock in the morning um and or at midday over the lunchtime period so you're a mum yes. should we give the family a quick name check yes yeah, so my son who's five years old is charlie um he's currently at his school christmas fate at the moment oh. so probably in santa's grotto or something like that <laughs> at the moment um yes and um uh, he is um he's the the yes the love of my life <laughs> fabulous that's good for charlie yes. and let's let's take you back in time now there's a reason why you support macmillan nurses you mentioned to me that um you've been through your own physical and, and mental journey with cancer a few years back yes. tell us about that if you would so we'll have to roll back to december 2015 um, a, a rather unexpected Christmas present on the 23rd of December in 2015. I was right. diagnosed with a very aggressive strain of breast cancer and was advised by the doctors um, and consultants at Frimley Park that I needed to start treatment very, very quickly, um, which was likely to consist of uh, chemotherapy, mastectomy surgery and radiotherapy. And at that point, my son was only 18 months old, um, which was uh, was probably the most challenging part about all of that, thinking that you, you know, um, that you've got a, a very tiny, tiny little child there sure. um, that's dependent on you. And, and coping with that news just mentally first and, and, and just getting through that first emotional part must be so hard. Yes, because I think it's it's one of those things that you think just always happens to somebody else. Um, that that's news that somebody else is always going to get. It won't be me, it'll be somebody else. I mean, sadly, the statistics now, if you if you look at what Cancer Research are reporting, is that around one in two will somehow be impacted by cancer. It's one in two? One in two. Wow. In, a, in their lifetime, for those born after 1960, I think it is. Um, now, so that, that said... that changed I, fairly recently? Because, I mean, I've always, in my mind, I've always thought one in four... Yeah, it's, it's been it's two. been it's been going up and up, and breast cancer is the is the most prevalent of those, um, uh, followed by um, prostate cancer. So, but I mean, whilst that's a really scary statistic, I think the thing to to keep in mind is that the the the, the treatment for cancer is is accelerating at such a pace in terms of what they can what they can do now. And you know, whilst I'm I'm not trying to be flippant about this, my consultant when he gave me my diagnosis actually said 
well, if you're going to get cancer, it's one of the better ones to get. Is that what he um, said? He did. He did. Um, and, you know, and, and, and he meant it on the basis that actually the survival rate now is, um, you know, is so much better than it would have been kind of a decade ago. Um, so, yeah, so that was that was the beginning of my um, my kind of relationship with with cancer um, and why a couple of years later doing something for Macmillan became, you know, a, a, a key part of my journey going forwards because it was it was part of me giving back for the journey that I'd had over around 18 months. Must have been so hard to talk to people. How was that part of the coping to be able you know, to tell your partner, to tell your work? How, how did you can you remember what that was like? Yeah, it's um it is and, and as you say, when when you when you get that news it, it, it is very it's a very shocking experience it, it, it's almost like kind of looking down on yourself um almost like an out of body kind of experience um it's it's difficult to uh to process the information everything that you're being told is i mean it's a minefield of new terms and information and a whole system and set of processes that you've got to suddenly start to navigate yourself around um and at first, certainly as far as work was concerned, I um, I was a bit unsure about how to tackle this. I mean, I, I, I have an amazing employer. VMware is very, very supportive of people bringing their whole self to work. Um, they very much encourage transparency in the workplace. But at the same time, you go through this conflict of... Oh well, you know. Well, I don't want people to think that I'm kind of I'm I'm weak or I'm not I'm not able or I'm or or, or judging me if I'm if I'm not going to be around for a certain period of time. I mean, honestly, like looking, what a ridiculous thing to think. I now kind of goes through my mind, but, but at the time, instinct, it was it? the natural. You're going to feel that way. Yeah. yeah, and and my boss at the time gave me a very useful piece of advice, which was he said, "Look, tell people whatever you want to, be completely open about it or not, as as you see fit." But just bear in mind that if you if you don't decide to share that information with people, they will draw their own conclusions. And for me, actually, that was that was more troublesome that people would be perhaps passing judgment about why I might not be around or why I might not be on on my top game um, than than actually sharing the real reasons. So that for me and everybody's journey is different. But for me, that was very helpful advice and i from that point forward was very very open with everybody that i worked with and i worked through most of my treatment um you know uh, which i think you know a lot of people thought i was totally batty for did but that again, help you though again was that something did, you needed personally did. so i'm not and i'm certainly not advocating hey you know if you can have chemotherapy and you know radiation therapy etc um that you should work through that again because everybody's journey is different everybody reacts differently to cancer drugs but for me it was one of the only things in my life that made sense at that point in time i could i could get a kind of a sense of normality when I went in to do my job I wasn't consumed with everything to do with the hospital now of course I had to take I had to take time off I had you know I had some pretty low periods over a period of 18 months and and eventually after having uh having 
to go back into having a, a second lot of chemo um, around nine months after I got into this treatment cycle, I then had to take the decision to take a few months off. So um, so I did eventually step back from it, which was, was the right thing to do. But again, you just have to judge it based on how, how you feel. Um, so talking well, about it at work... Michelle was, as well, uh, you know, but you, presumably your immune system is, is very low when you're going through chemo. So yeah. if you're in an office environment, the likelihood of probably picking things up is something to be considered. Yeah, you do have to be very careful. Um, they check you very thoroughly at the hospital in terms of how your immune system is coping with the drugs that they put you through. And if you get to a certain point, um, then, you know, y- you will be very vulnerable to picking up viruses. I ended up in Frimley Park, I think, probably three times um, with with a fever um, and a virus that basically my body just wasn't capable of, of being able to fight. So then, you know, um, had had the pleasure of an all inclusive stay for for a few uh, for a few days there. So yes, you do have to be careful, and there are certain environments that you need to invo- avoid. You know, sweaty gyms are not a good place. You can't go into swimming pools. You know, mainly because you have a pick line, which is where your your, your drugs end up being um, dispensed through. You have to be careful on, um, you know, trains, anywhere where there's, you know, kind of a, a higher likelihood of, of germs breeding. I didn't do any air. Tra- I think I did one lot of air travel in around 14 months, um, which was where there was a, a, a reasonable enough gap between treatment that my immune system had picked back up again. So, yeah, you do you do have to be careful. And um, firmly over St. Peter's or any other hospitals, is it? because it's favoured for treatments of this nature? Or? So I was given the choice of, of either going to Royal Surrey or going to um, Frimley Park Hospital. Right. And at the time, I don't know if it's still true, but at the time Frimley Park was, um, I think, the only um, hospital in the country that had an outstanding rating across the whole of the hospital establishment. So for me, um, that that was a bit of a no-brainer to then choose to go to Frimley Park. And I have to say the team there were absolutely outstanding. And again, another reason for me why the connection with Macmillan, because uh, the chemotherapy ward at Frimley Park Hospital was one of the first chemotherapy units to be adopted by Macmillan, which means that those nurses, they get extra training. Um, there are certain nurses there where their roles are funded for the first uh, first year of their term. And then the hospital trust pick up the costs associated with that. So um, Macmillan featured really heavily in terms of the chemotherapy unit that I was um, I was under. And Macmillan, they, they got involved right from the outset then. As soon as you were diagnosed, Macmillan nurses were involved from, in the processing? So actually, yes, there was a Macmillan nurse involved when I was given my very first diagnosis. Um, my breast care nurse, who I can still go to now, you know, several years after um, uh, I started my treatment, they are also funded by Macmillan. There are what are called navigators now at Frimley Park Hospital because one of the things when you know when you're having cancer treatment is that it does become all in, uh, kind of all all encompassing. Um, you know, from week to week, you could be having maybe seven, eight different appointments in a week. Mm. You know, for for bloods or you know heart checks, or so you're you're being checked for what's wrong with you, but you're also being checked for what might be going wrong as a result of the the very heavy drugs that you're being given. So, sure. um, and that can become very difficult because some of those departments are not that well connected. So they've also invested in a, in a navigator post, which means that you can go to this Macmillan individual 
and they will help you in effect navigate your way around appointments around different departments in the hospital and um, and that actually came on board part way through my treatment which I was really pleased to see because it was something that I struggled with and I ended up having to put quite a lot of effort into managing my own kind of treatment plan in effect so um, so yes so they're, they're investing in that and then centrally as an organisation you can reach out to them to get lots of information around um, uh, you know not just not just the the health related um, aspects of of, of of living with cancer but also the emotional and the practical elements financial support and it's for the people living with cancer as well as those who are helping to support and look after those that are uh, affected by cancer because the counseling side i mean it must be so important to have someone that you, you know you can go to that's got the voice of reason the understanding yes yeah. must be important and sometimes it's just about having somebody to talk to full stop you don't even necessarily need something to come back from that um you know i um i had a young son so you know there was certain i wanted to try and shield him from as much as possible my parents were amazingly supportive on the journey that i went through but at the same time you you don't want to put any additional pressure onto them because they were having their own journey having to see me go through what i went through so yes sometimes it's just a case of having somebody to talk to that that's just happy to listen and acknowledge and empathize what you're going through because they also put a lot of effort into trying to understand what is it really like living with cancer what are the emotional practical aspects of that and they invest a lot in training their staff in in understanding that so that they can help help individuals that end up phoning into their support lines etc uh, Michelle, you're saying it was it was the, the cancer that you contracted was was fairly aggressive. Yes, which is probably a huge shock. If it's not too uncomfortable, talk us through if you could some of those low moments and and then how you got through that, and and, and tell us about the, the more exhilarating moments as well. Yeah. Okay. So, I think once you've got over the shock of the news that that that's being delivered. To a certain extent, I then kind of went into project management mode. You know, that's kind of... And that's your that's, character that allows that. That is my character, yes. So, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to treat this like a project. There are, you know, multiple aspects to this. Let's just get this thing done. Mm. Um, so I did, I did go into it with a, a definite kind of the glasses half full, um, uh, not half empty. <clears throat> this, is a, this is a road that I've just got to get through to get come out the other end. And I think that stood me in, in very good stead. But, of course, there are dips that you take along the way. And, again, those will be different for uh, for everybody because everybody's journey is unique. I think probably one of the really hard things um, that happened around two-thirds of the way going through my chemotherapy treatment is that I started to lose my hair. I'd, I'd taken a um, what's called a cold cap, um, which is basically like having a swimming cap full, filled with ice put on your head every time you have your chemotherapy treatment. And mm-hmm. bearing in mind those treatments can take you know several hours to be dispensed. But in effect, it kind of does something to your hair follicles, which means it's, it's potentially less likely that you will lose your hair or you may lose your hair less quickly. And mm-hmm. it did, I think, slow down that process. But I remember one time being with a very good friend of mine going for a walk through the forest and I I leant down to do up my shoelace 
And as I stood up, she said, oh, do you realize that you've like, you're starting to lose like your hair on top? And, mm. and I kind of ended up with this, I'd had this small ball patch that because of the position of it, I hadn't really been able to see it in the mirror. And from that point forward, my hair then started to, started to fall out. Um, I did have to find a bit of a way to make a bit of a joke about it. It's like I just had a really bad fryer tuck hairdo by the end of it because it literally radiated from the top of my skull out. <laughs> I had fairly long hair and I managed to get away with it for ages because I just tied my hair up and piled it on top. So mm. it kind of hid it. But at, at a point, it I just couldn't, I couldn't hide it anymore, really. And I remember having to go to the hairdressers and just say, OK, you kind of, you need to just, you need to cut this off. Um, and that was, you know, I think just because the choice gets taken away from you. And as a woman, particularly if you've got long hair, your hair is kind of like part of your armor, you know. Mm. Um, so for, for quite a while, I had, I had, um, short hair. And then after having had additional chemotherapy, I then actually decided, look, I'm going to end up losing the lot. So I did a brave the shave for Macmillan. And so I thought, you know, well, why not just turn this into something positive? And I raised around four thousand pounds, um, and you know, and and sported the co- Kojak look for around four months before my hair started to grow back again. So that was that was quite tough, kind of going through that kind of identity change. Um, um, and does chemo affect? Did it affect <clears throat> taste? And because I've heard stories that. Yeah. yeah, you you end up with um, for me, and again, it affects people in different ways. But for me, I had quite a strong metallic taste in my mouth all the time Mm. and there were you know certain foods that I would normally really really enjoy but actually just you know really didn't want to touch when I was having treatment um unfortunately wine tasted really bad which was just I mean that you know that's got to be a low point hasn't it yes I'm sure um (laughs) so um so yeah so 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 that was that was also kind of challenging and and they give you so many things to try and minimize the bad effects of the chemotherapy so they give you steroids Mm. so steroids just left me buzzing like i mean i I go in for my chemo and then literally i could start to time it you know within two days um i i would literally just be like i just had too much red bull um for 24 hours uh i'd be wide awake in the middle of the night got through quite a few good netflix um netflix series and um yeah so very very difficult to kind of get a good night's sleep and then you start to go into this cycle where you know you start to feel kind of very very tired you start to feel um uh just a, a weaker you start to feel very, very um, uncomfortable, achy, almost like you're about to go down with the flu. Um, and then literally within a few days of when you're due to have your next chemo, then you, you kind of start to pick yourself back up again and then you're back into it again. Um, and I think that just that kind of relentless cycle, the first couple of times you kind of think, oh, OK, I'm still finding my way a little bit. Then you start to recognise the cycle. And I think almost that becomes a negative because you know exactly what's coming when it's going to hit you. Mm. Um, so that that grinds you down a little bit by the and end of it. how long did the chemo treatment last for? So my first lot of chemo was every um, every three weeks, um, and I had um, six sessions. And then about six months later, I had to have another three months of, of chemotherapy. So that was probably that was probably the next real low point for me. Um, I thought that everything was done. I'd done. I'd had chemo. I'd had um, I'd had mastectomy surgery. I'd had um, uh, a month of radiotherapy. 
and then I thought okay that's it like life can start to get back to back to normal and kind of something just in the in the back of my mind just thinking well let's just you know let's just make sure that this really is kind of the end of, of, of where I need to get to and to cut a long story short I I sought some um, a second uh, second opinion um, from actually a, a professor in the Netherlands the Netherlands are quite well renowned in terms of their research and developments in in breast cancer and I had some contradictory advice around the treatment plan that I'd been given. Did you? And had to be on the receiving end of being told that I probably only had a 25% chance of remission. Wow. Which just completely stumped me. So, you know, somebody sat there telling me, well, you've got a 75% chance of dying. So I then explored that a little bit further and was able to then kind of secure a bit of a belt and braces treatment plan, which meant that I had a, a, a further three months of um, chemotherapy treatment off the back of that initial treatment plan. Back in Frimley? Uh, that was back in Frimley, right, yes. Right. Um, so it was a little bit like going home. I mean, it's weird to kind of feel I was actually quite, it was, it was, it was actually quite um, uplifting going back there because they are such a fantastic team. But um, and yeah. how, did, how did you tell them that the diagnosis from one professor to another was different that's a tough one it was it was a it was a difficult conversation with my consultant um so i spoke to him over the phone and the initial view that i got back was well there is no there is no protocol for doing additional chemotherapy after your um your main program has finished unless there is evidence that the cancer has spread right um so i then presented the information that i'd had from this other professor and i kind of got the same answer back and what i counted it with was well if if i was your wife or your daughter would you be saying the same thing Mm. Now, I'm not saying that that's what necessarily kind of tipped the balance, but that's the way I needed him to think about it. Because, again, at that point, you know, my son was, uh, I don't know, um, probably just uh, two, not even two and a half by that point. And my my biggest priority was to make sure that his mum was going to still be around for, you for know, sure. the rest of his foreseeable life. Sure. So... Um, what ended up happening was I then went to the Royal Marsden and a professor at the Royal Marsden did a second opinion of the second opinion <laughs> and came in line with, with a number of the points that, um, that had been brought up there. So that then gave um, the uh, Frimley Park Hospital the leverage that they needed to be able to then offer me um, the treatment plan that was, that was being recommended. And Royal Marsden, I mean, that is an amazing hospital. Yes, isn't it is. It? It Isn't is. It? So, yeah. We were talking about some of the, the, the lows because there are obviously low points on and going through any experience of that nature and uh, coming through it. Talk about how you kept yourself positive. So I made a choice early on, I guess, to kind of embrace the fact that I've been diagnosed with, with cancer. For me, it was important to make sure that what I was going to put my energy into was going to end up being something positive because it's very easy and I and, and, and completely understandable um, that you can put a lot of energy into the, you know, why me? Why did this happen? Um, how has this happened? Hmm. But actually, the reality is it's happened. You cannot change that. Um, and the important thing for me was that I just wanted to look forward. 
So I kind of rationalised it in my mind, and whether or not this is true, it kind of doesn't really matter, but it meant I could give it a place. And I think this is very much, I can kind of hear my mum in my ears when I would repeat this back to myself. Um, And I rationalised the fact that I had cancer, that um, it had happened to me because I was strong enough to deal with it and better that it came to me than going to somebody else that perhaps couldn't have taken that on so that was that was just my kind of you know my coping headline if you like so then within that kind of day to day one of the things I started quite early on was I had a gratitude journal so just a little book by the side of my bed and every night before I went to bed I would just write some highlights from the day because you know it didn't matter to a certain extent how crappy that day had been you know maybe that was the you know the worst ever round of chemo that I'd had or I'd just had my surgery or whatever there are if you look hard enough there are always bright spots that you can find the sun was shining the sky was blue my son gave me the most beautiful smile or adoring hug there are always small things so just that little you can, moments yeah so what gave you that idea then how what, what made you come up with that um it was something that i had done a number of years ago um it, it had been um suggested to me i think probably in a professional development workshop at, at um uh, with my my job at some point where it probably come up around um you know if you're feeling anxious um about any aspects of work or something you know um trying to reduce stress at the end of the day going to sleep in a positive frame of oh, mind sure. rather yeah. than a negative yeah. that you know just write some positive things that have happened that day um so it was it was really just a throwback to that and that was something that i'd done for a couple of months and i'd found that it worked really well and then actually i kind of didn't really go back and revisit it but i i carried that on throughout the whole of my whole of my treatment and i pick it back up again every now and again I, if i catch myself perhaps not feeling as grateful as i should do um for the fact that i am you know i'm here i'm talking to you that life is good that my scans are clear then i you know i catch myself and i i go back to that little book um and that that was that was very powerful i think because every night i would go to sleep in a positive frame of mind um so that was one thing uh staying positive just having a, a trying to, to 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 look at the glass being half full rather than half empty wherever you can and surrounding yourself with positive people you know i mean we've kind of all got that friend that when they call it's going to be probably 40 minutes while they bleed all over you about everything that's going wrong (laughs) in their in their life and in the nicest possible way you know i i I have time for that for, for those friends now but at that point in my life that was that was not the best place for me to be so i had to kind of keep things like that a little bit at bay and and spend more of my time um with the people that gave me really positive energy you know, my, the trouble is i guess people want to give you sympathy all the time that probably pulls you down if anything yeah i mean it's if a everyone's feeling balance, sorry for you yeah it's like oh it's a, a, a but at the same time you don't want people being dismissive and kind of like well no, sure. it's fine you'll get over it, it you know this time it? next week you'll be fine you know because it's also not that kind of conversation no. so it is a very difficult balance to find my parents were a massive massive source of, of inspiration and positivity you know my brother um and and my closest friends so you know surrounding myself with them um, with a lot of positivity and 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 humor played a big part for me um 
I, I think some people found that a little bit uncomfortable um, that I, you know, I would make Kojak jokes about the fact that I had no hair and was completely bald. You know, I would laugh about the fact that, well, you know, having chemotherapy means that you don't have to go for a bikini wax for several months, you know, and, and but that kind of stuff kept me going. Yeah. Um, and and I, I had this uh, had this particular phrase, which always, you know, would come to mind when I felt like I needed to call upon um, a little bit more kind of um, va-va-vum, shall they say, which which was uh, be the kind of woman that when your feet hit the floor each morning the devil says oh crap she's up (laughs) (laughs) that is brilliant that is brilliant well it's amazing you could keep that positive strength i'm sure it was really really important for you really important so the other thing that is great that came out of it of course is your now your commitment to mcmillan yes so tell us about how that all started and what you've done since yeah so that so that started with brave the shave so when i got to the point where i knew kind of second lot of of chemo um towards the back end of 2016 that i literally i would end up being a baldy um i thought well let's just turn this into a positive as i mentioned before and so um and macmillan had this particular program at the time which had got some traction which was brave the shave so i turned that into a into a fundraiser um uh, and um, uh, went to um, Envy in West Byfleet, um, the very lovely Paolo there, oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, who runs that, and, um, and and he shaved my head for me, and we made a little bit of an event of it. Um, in fact, he, actually, he's bald as well, so I've got a, a fabulous picture of the two of us kind of with our you know hands on each other's <laughs> heads, um, like kind of brother-sister thing. Yeah. So that, that was where it started. Um, then from there, I think when you go through um, any, any dramatic experience in your life, um, whether that's health, whether it's... It's, it's something on the family relationship front you often come out of it looking at life in a slightly different way and you start to question what really is important in life what really makes the difference and for me I also started to question well what is my purpose you know I had this great job in the tech industry which I you know which I still do fantastic company um but what what else am I doing what's feeding my soul how am I giving back how am I making the world a better place and so I thought well actually given my own experiences um I decided that I would put some of that energy into fundraising for Macmillan. So I went from uh, from the Brave the Shave into doing my first, and it was my first ever charity dinner that I'd ever run, which I did with the with Ben and Lornette at London House. Um, that's now in its third year. I've done events at VMware where I work, where we've done Halloween fundraisers, where we had ev- everybody from the you know senior vice president and GM for the whole of Europe dressed up as Dracula, um, you know, doing auctions. Uh, world's biggest coffee morning. That's always a big one that raises a, a lot one, of money. Yeah. So I always try and get behind one of those somewhere. Um, so basically, any opportunity where I think the skill set that I've got, you know, I've got a, a, a marketing background so that comes in handy some of this stuff comes quite naturally to me um where i can i can bring that and help then um that's my way of giving back and sometimes that's events that i run and drive myself in my spare time other times it's supporting the bigger macmillan community and just mucking in on you know whether that's the big fundraiser they did at long acres at bagshot for their christmas open night a few weeks ago or a, a ball at penny hill park that kind of thing then i'm, I'm happy to kind of muck in that's really good. How much money do you think you've raised so far? 
Directly from the fundraising stuff that I've driven, I would say probably around sixty, seventy thousand pounds. That's amazing. Yeah, that really is good. Yeah. Uh, some nice emails coming in, so I've just been jotting them down for you. Sandra Kendrick Adelstone, very brave. Uh, well done for the work you do, Henrietta Dean. Uh, well done, Michelle, for raising funds for Macmillan. Uh, they helped my mum Elizabeth when she was alive, which I think oh, was lovely. So some lovely, lovely stories there. Thank you for Thank those. You. Um, it's been great talking to you today. Thank you very much. Has that covered Likewise. everything? Is there anything else you want to tell us, anything more about Macmillan? I'm trying to think of all the services that they offer, because to your point, it goes way, way further than probably what people would imagine. Yeah, it, it does. And, and when I first came across the, the, the name Macmillan, um, I actually had a bit of an adverse reaction to it because I completely misunderstood what they did. I actually thought they were more associated with end of life and kind of hospice care and so when people start you know when i kind of saw macmillan labels on people's badges and things like that i mean it literally did send me into a little bit of a a little bit of a panic so i've been on my own kind of journey of discovery with them so yeah i mean it's it's you know their website is full of the most amazing information um you know and, and not just written lots of videos um you know whether that's on the healthcare front and lots of videos of people sharing their own stories whether that's around particular types of cancer whether it's around particular circumstances because again everybody's journey is different um and you know some people may be able to relate to what i've shared other people they will have had a completely different kind of experience so you know their their website is full of amazing information they've got amazing people over the phone um if you if you ever want to just actually talk to somebody and they also um you can approach them as well for financial support because you know having cancer is expensive you know if you're not working and you don't work for an employer that is is, is going to um you know make up that shortfall um when you're off sick even just things like parking you know royal surrey hospital and frimley park hospital the parking charges if you're going there sometimes maybe three or four times a week that really really starts to rack up so even just simple things like you know maybe getting some financial support for things like parking charges um and then obviously there's the healthcare aspect and the training that they put into into the nurses and healthcare professionals to really try and accelerate and progress um uh, ensuring that everybody gets you know the very best possible cancer treatment that they can they can get and that ultimately nobody ever has to face going through cancer alone do you still have to go back for further checks now or is it is it a constant thing that you just yes get i do and i'm kind of glad about that it's a little it's bit of my it's, comfort it's, yeah. comfort um blanket so sure. i've had um for um i've had clear scans for the last two years which is great Fabulous. so my oncologist kind of gave that a big thumbs up when i last saw him in july i'll do kind of an interim checkup in january which will really just be around checking my bloods to make sure there's nothing looking scary there in terms of any increase in inflammatory markers and then um he'll scan me again probably at the three-year mark um but you know that two-year window was quite a critical point to get to um uh, to you know make sure that the cancer hadn't hadn't spread or popped up anywhere else so um yes yeah, so still still under under the hospital's care and and they're still well that prevention that those checkups really important so Absolutely. that's great that they do that for you yes and you're still in touch with your macmillan nurse that you started with or not or? yes if i need to i mean the great thing is is that as more time has gone by i feel less need to sure. have to have to do that um but you know if if ever there's anything concerning me i can just pick up the phone or what drop was the name email um, Ruth. Ruth. Her name was Ruth Connor. 
Fantastic. Yeah. So well done to Ruth. Yeah. You're an amazingly positive person. It's been lovely having you in the studio. You are one of those people that are wonderful on the outside and wonderful on the inside. <laughs> oh, bless you. So, Thank you, Pat. <laughs> thanks so much for coming to the studio and sharing, because as we've had from the emails, um, I've still got more coming in now, actually. People are responding. They're very grateful for the conversation, for the openness that you're given. So Pleasure. really grateful for you coming. Well done for raising more money. I'm sure we will get together again. Yeah, I hope so. Uh, to work on an event or two. And let's hopefully we, we, can, we can help you raise some money as well. Thank you.